1: Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Channel 10's big play for the streaming market and why it just might work. The 60 Minutes cameraman behind the Beirut kidnapping saga speaks out about his torture and are inner city TV types out of touch with the viewing audience. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start.
2: This is TV Black Box bringing you
3: the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: Well, hello there and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box. Before we meet our panel for today, the TV Black Box newsletter has begun. You can subscribe to that at tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. Each day I'm putting out a newsletter with thoughts on the TV topics and uh, some links to some big stories and when there's breaking news, like some of the stuff we'll be covering today. Joining us, as always, is the one and only Sarah, monaghan hello
0: sarah hello i am still in texas but thankfully tomorrow i go to a hotel
1: (laughs) she loves her (laughs) mother-in-law i love her
0: i do she's just it's just a lot to be with them for three weeks and i can't do it (laughs) i'm not that good a person
1: (laughs) tv black box contributor and podcast interviewer aaron ryan is with us hello aaron hello gorgeous people
4: nice interview with tony barber Thank you very much. Yeah, it was good catching up with all the South of the Century staff and Wheel of Fortune. There's a couple of little uh, stories in there. And I've got a very hot young man um, who's into mental health um, as well. And that's coming up later in the week. But yes, you will know him. Very hot man. I'll I'll save that one. Is he hot though? He is. He (laughs) is You've only
1: mentioned hot, like, five times. Rod Morris, who works on just about every TV show in Australia, anything with computer wizardry, is with us. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello,
3: everybody. And, um, yeah, I've actually just started on another show, which I'll I'll be able to tell you about in a couple of weeks.
1: But, anyway, stand by for updates. Sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. And he's back, Mulky Mulk. Hello, Malky.
5: Rob, we have spoken about this. Contractually, I must be referred to as Gadabout Town and General Bon Vivant.
1: (laughs) Those are a lot of words I can't say, (laughs) Mug.
5: I'll have my people accost your people.
1: Fabulous. Hey, there is a lot to talk about. In fact, we're going to do two sections of news items this week. No feature interview because there is so much to talk about. So let's get into it. And shocking news in the world of showbiz as TV icon Burt Newton had to have his leg amputated after an infection spread from his toe. Entertainment reporter Peter Ford broke the news saying it was a life or death decision after the staff spent the last six weeks in hospital. Mark, Peter Ford said Bert didn't want this reported as a sad story, but it's pretty scary, isn't it?
5: I I think it's a recognition that when you get to a certain age, uh, these kinds of things can be the difference between living or dying. There's there's kind of... um, Uh, You know, it's scary in the context that, you know, look, if you don't cut your leg off, you're going to die, because that's how sepsis works. Um, It's sad, absolutely great to see Patty on the news, uh, soldier on. And and look, I I think that from what we know of Bert publicly, he wouldn't want to be eulogized just because he's lost 15% of his body.
1: Uh, that's certainly true, and he didn't particularly like it when Nine eulogised him for some big Bert special. Um, he said, I'm not dead yet. So this yep. is a man who will keep on keeping on. Um, we all love Bert, that's for sure. Um, Do we know
0: how much of the leg he lost? Like, was it a foot? Was just below the, the knee? knee. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, there'll be a lot of recovery time, and... We yep. just wish him all the very best, really, and uh, we love it, pure and simple. All right. Channel 10 have confirmed that Paramount Plus will be launching in Australia on Wednesday, the 11th of August. It will replace its current platform, 10 All Access, and will exclusively include the second season of Australian drama Five Bedrooms. The service will cost eight ninety nine per month. And, Aaron, I'm interested in this. The decision to keep
4: Five Bedrooms exclusively for the platform, this is a big move, isn't it? It is a big move, uh, but can I just say, for all the people writing in and saying, you know, where's it going to be on TV, this definitely won't be a Paramount exclusive. Ten need the Australian drama points, and it'll absolutely return to ten. No, they don't.
5: Uh, There's no drama points on at the moment. They can put that anywhere they like. There is...
4: There is, drama points haven't completely gone. Yes, they have. There's a new, there's a new system set up for – they still have to show c- certain amounts of drama and, and there's a point system set up. They got a two-year
5: pass because of COVID.
4: Ten All Access have previously done it with US shows like Seal Team, In the Dark, A Million Little Things, MacGyver. They have a range of shows that aired first on the streaming service and then the, they premiered later on, on Ten Network. Nine actually quoted a number of shows at their last upfront. Nine now exclusives is just a load of rubbish and spin. They end up on, on linear point uh, on linear TV at some point. Here is just quickly so Nine now exclusives Chicago PD, which is Are now we're talking on nine about Gen. nine
5: or ten uh, Paramount Plus.
4: Well, I, I'm I'm just saying that the word exclusives. Uh, it's just—it's basically thrown out the door. They will definitely show it
5: on 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 linear TV. Kevin Perry confirmed with them that par- that five bedrooms would be Paramount Plus exclusive. At
4: the, as the end of the year comes, I can absolutely tell you that they will definitely show it on it. They they say that it's going to be an exclusive, and it, it is it, it is an exclusive. When it actually airs, but after it airs, then it will just be shown on 10. Just like the, min- the list I was just about to give you from Channel 9 that say that they're going to be exclusives. They're not exclusive.
3: Can I just interject there? Is, is they, are they using that as supposedly the hook to get you into paying for the Paramount
4: Plus? Yes, like- and then they show it on the, on the main channel. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we've got to take them at face value at the moment. We don't yep. know CBS, Viacom CBS's plans here, whether it will remain as a full exclusive. Nine are a different company doing different things. And I think yep. as we go forward, the conversations I'm having with people in the industry is they are really starting to take the digital platforms more seriously. So I think we will see some exclusives. I actually believe five bedrooms will remain an exclusive to Paramount+. Plus, But I think the big sell will be this new John Ibrahim drama series and King of the Cross. And I've got to say, I actually spoke with John Ibrahim a few weeks ago when I was in Sydney, and he was telling me about this, so excited, so invested in this. And we actually have some mutual friends who have read the scripts, and they were telling me that this is a phenomenal drama series. It's grittier than Underbelly and that it's really really has all the hallmarks of being something Australians will want to want to see. So I expect a soft start to Paramount Plus. I don't think 5 bedrooms is going to do much for it. But I think the buzzy the first buzzy thing they really have is going to be this King of the Cross and it'll be interesting to see if that helps take up subscribers because I think it will mug.
5: I think it will help, Um, and we'll just give you a moment, Rob, while you pick up that name that you dropped. Um, I don't disagree, uh, Aaron. I can't
1: help what circles I mix in, mate. And, Mate, let me tell
5: you, the (laughs) AFP are very pleased to know that you're spinning in those circles and are paying attention now. (laughs) Um, I, I don't disagree, Aaron, that the word exclusive gets tossed around a little too liberally. There's no question that, you know, networks are using exclusive and then all of a sudden it's kind of not, or it's exclusive for a day or whatever. It's like, you know, the, 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 some of the who, who got what story first and how they watermark it on TV and all of that sort of stuff. It, it does get a little bit, um, run to the wind. We also have to acknowledge that it is three months out before we see Paramount Plus launch, there is heaps of time for them to talk about what is going to be the yeah. bedrock of their launch library. And obviously a ton of it's going to come out of the US. Uh, that's the nature of it being Paramount Plus as it is in in the U- the US. I think that dropping five bedrooms, which did reasonable business, you know, by 10 standards, really good business for them. Um, year before last or last year, whenever the first season aired, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, I am not sure how long I will pay for Paramount Plus, but that will come down to its library and what they add because it's just, without being indiscreet, it is another $9 a month that yeah. I don't know I can I,
1: I,
3: I reckon the price point's wrong. It should be about five ninety nine. although that, that may not cut it for them uh, financially. But, it's, uh, yeah, who's going to pay 8 99 for it? I ain't.
1: Well, here's the thing. I I think people will pay for content they want, but maybe it becomes more niche. Um, We've just launched a video version of the Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions podcast, and we're doing that as a subscription model. And I've actually been surprised at the take-up rate. So we are charging $5 per episode, or you can get a monthly subscription for $15, or we've actually tied it into our Patreon subscription as well, where if you upgrade to a certain tier, and that's a $25 a month tier where you get other bonuses, and the take up rate has been phenomenal. And every time we launch a new episode, it becomes an audio version as well. But so it's still on the free podcast service, but Uh, you can watch the video version and people are really getting into this video version that we're doing. And we're putting a lot of effort into the visuals of that and making it a worthwhile venture. But it did make me think, we always talk about, will people pay for more streaming services? Maybe not, unless it's that niche content they're after. You know, you think about what you can get with a Stan or, you know, a Paramount Plus for 8.99. I'm literally doing about one video a week and people are paying $5 a week for that. So, it's just an interesting thing that when it comes to their niche, they'll pay up, but when it comes to general streaming services, they're a little bit more hesitant with their money and where they spend. Mm. I just found that interesting. The perception probably is that there's so much stuff on the the
3: bigger platforms that they don't want to watch, so they're they're thinking, well, Mm. I'm paying for all that, but I only want that. But if it's a niche thing, it's like I specifically want that and happy to pay. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, Ben Williamson, the cameraman involved in the 60 Minutes Kidnapping saga in Beirut, has spoken out about his experience and the mental illness he suffered since returning. Not only did his treatment meet the UN's definition of torture, but now insurance giant GIO is refusing to pay him compensation because they say Nine has no responsibility for what happened to him in Beirut. Since Crikey first published this story, Nine have said they are talking to GIO about Resolving the matter quickly. Now, look, from a personal point of view, I will say Ben is one of the most loyal people, hardworking people that you could ever work with. And I actually know everyone at Nine wants to make sure he is taken care of. In fact, the network has been topping up his compensation while all this has been going on. But, Sarah, there are two big things going on here. I think we can all agree that the idea that Nine has no responsibility for what happened to him is fanciful, it's bullshit. It's
0: bullshit. It's absolute bullshit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No No one, no reasonable person would think he's put himself in that situation. He was sent out on a job. He did his job and now, you know, shit went down. And, and the fact that he even got a, a, a warning, an official warning for his role in that. You know, a, a cameraman doesn't make the decisions about where they go. The cameraman takes the job and does that. The idea that he should have spoken up—that—that's just not realistic. And and is just—I was really disappointed on that that aspect of the whole thing. But let's move on from that. The scary thing is that we'd never heard about is the torture he went through, Sarah. And and you know, the, the treatment while he was over there and separated from the rest of the crew.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no way that he went, it's not like he went there, you know, on like current TV where you're filming your own thing and you submit it to the network and then they, they, you know, look at it and decide whether they're going to play it. I mean, he was an employee. He went over there. He had no say in anything. You do what you're told. And then for the insurance company to say that, it, it's not their responsibility. It absolutely is because the only reason he was there was for work. And yeah. so I think now it's like, you know, people are going to look at, am I going to go on foreign assignment or am I going to get screwed over by the insurance company because they're saying, I should have spoken up or done something. And it's like, dude, I'm just the camera guy or I'm just like the sound guy or, or whatever it is. If, and even the reporters, I mean, how often do they really get a say? Some of the head ones get to choose their own stories, but for the most part, people are just sent out to do a job by the network. Um, and I'm glad that Nine is stepping up and trying to contribute as they should because he was only there for them. Um, and I guess from now on, they'll really have to think about their stories and what they do. And is the risk worth it? I mean, so many times you see on Twitter, when you see people in a war zone or even covering Washington DC lately, they're like, why are you sending a journalist in here? Is it really worth
2: the coverage?
0: Mm. And people will really have to think about that now. And as an employee, you're going to be like, you know, do I risk my job by saying no to this story? Or do I risk being hurt and killed and my family getting absolutely nothing because, you know, I'm not going to get covered for this.
1: Well, his life has changed forever, Rod, and so someone deserves to be looked after when their life has changed forever from an event they were sent to by an employee, an employer.
3: It, in that regard, though, Nine are looking after him as best they can. It's really just the insurance company. that are the bad guys here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Fancy and I guess like, it, 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 Any insurance company is going to typically try and get out of whatever they can. What I... Um, For me, professionally, I went to Afghanistan in 2011. Um, Was I scared when I was going there? Yeah, but it was a hell of an adventure. Um, Obviously, if the ABC would have been looked after if something got wrong, I I just assumed they would. Um, Did I give it any thought to who the insurance company was who'd pay if something went wrong? No, I didn't. I'll tell you the other thing that went through my mind here is that, and this is not war zone stuff, I'm wondering, uh, most of us feel like we're beyond COVID, but I've been approached to to come to Sydney Melbourne for, for a variety of things, and the question I've asked is if suddenly there's a bad COVID outbreak and I can't get home or I've got to go into two weeks lockdown and all that, are you going to cover that? And each time, and I've had several requests, uh, it's just fallen on deaf ears, no-one responds. So I, mm-hmm. I think we're... we're probably on the precipice of that being a big production, go somewhere, there's a big COVID thing happens, and then what happens to the crew? Like, has anyone else sort of thought that scenario through? But
0: even some of the TV shows, like I was, um, when I was talking about doing SAS, and my big thing was, I don't have Medicare anymore as a foreigner. And it's like, are they going to give me insurance if I lose a leg? Or, you know, even when I looked at um, I'm a Celebrity, they expect you to have your own insurance. And it's like, but I'm working for you. Shouldn't you be covering that? Why am I providing my own insurance?
3: Were they employing you as a contractor or as a casual? Or Under what terms were they employing you? That's what it gets down to.
0: I, yeah, see, I, I, I had a point at the SAS thing, which, you know, thankfully I couldn't come because of COVID. But it was like, you know, you're going to have to pay for my two weeks of accommodation and you're going to have to cover insurance because in the last series, people, you know, got seriously hurt. And, you know, if I don't have Medicare, how many is is it going to cost me more to do your show than what you're paying me?
3: And were were they going to agree to it or did it just fall on deaf ears at request?
0: Well, I think uh, my publicist got to the point where he's like, I'm not going to even bring it up because you're probably not going to come anyway. And he didn't want to bring up the Medicare thing. And I'm like, but that's absolutely one of the most important things because if I get hurt in the U.S., that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, Yeah, you know. So, Look, it's not
1: unusual for performers in this country to have to take out uh, their own personal insurance and indemnity um, in case anything happens. We now live in a world where the networks won't just do that Uh, and I certainly had cases of having to deal with that situation over my career where you had to get performers to take out their own insurance. Uh, That is the way of the world and and look, look, anyone, any um, freelancer should have their own insurance anyway and that's what these production companies will rely on. So, uh, I do think it's a bit rough to force you to pay for the quarantine. Uh, I think that should be part of the budget when they're bringing people from overseas in. We know that this is a prerequisite to get into this country. So I, I think, you know, productions are having to deal with COVID in their own ways. And, Rod, basically, it sounds to me it's a situation they don't want to have to deal with. And... You know, like they feel like we'll jump off that bridge when it comes.
3: Yeah, I think there's a sort of um, head in the sand sort of attitude. It's like, oh, COVID's nearly done. We're all getting the the, uh, the vaccinations now, so let's just try and ride out the next little while and hope that it goes away. Is what I the the feeling I get from talking to them.
1: Yeah. And and look, we're all getting vaccinated and that is happening. But it's funny, I was talking to my doctor yesterday and she believes there will be a big wave once we do open the borders, uh, because there is vaccination in this country, but not everywhere around the world. She believes there will be a big wave around this time next year. We'll see what happens. All right, KO, the designated sports streaming service owned by Foxtel, has achieved a huge milestone over the weekend, reaching 1 million paid subscribers. The service has seen exponential growth since May 2020, when major sports returned after a brief quiet period during the coronavirus pandemic. Aaron, Aussies love their sport, don't they? This
4: is a phenomenal result for KO. Yeah, it is. Um, and when you combine the two, it says two point two million subscribers paying between five and fifteen dollars a month. So let's go for the middle ground at ten dollars. That's twenty-two million dollars a month, and for a year that would be two hundred and sixty-four million. That is is that is that right? It seems like a lot. Two hundred and sixty-four million dollars a year. Um and they're uh, they're only quoting the sports subscribers. So obviously you know once you throw in binge and, and Fox uh, the normal Fox would will be a lot higher. Now I know sports rights are expensive, but um, they're always saying they're in so much debt. that just seems like a like a lot but it's great. Uh, look,
1: I love a story like this. I love seeing success in the marketplace. We're in an age of streaming. I think this is a full congratulations to everyone behind KO Mulk.
5: Yeah, look, absolutely, Rob. And and I agree. To, to hear that KO has reached this milestone is significant. Uh, when we acknowledge that there's only 26 million people in the country, to have 1 million paid subscriptions to KO is uh, a great benefit to both that business uh, and sport in general. The challenge will always be what does this do to sports rights? And how much are they worth now? Um, Understandably, Foxtel needed to do this as their service became more expensive and the internet, you know, started to open up with Netflix and Stan. To be able to deliver this was a really smart move. They were a little bit behind the eight ball getting it on, you know, out to market, but they got there. Um, We can all, with some pretty serious confidence, say we won't see you know, $1.1 $1. $1 billion deals done for the AFL again, uh, of which Foxtel's contribution was $900 million, So that's where most of that money's going, Aaron. Um, <laughs> but there's still we're still always going to have to pay for sport. And I think that the last great battleground when it comes to sporting rights in Australia now isn't how much we pay for them. It's what's happening to the anti-siphoning list.
1: Oh, sure, and I think that's a big one, and the networks will fight tooth and nail to keep the anti-siphoning rule in place. But it's oh, interesting. both ways,
5: right? Foxtel will be fighting to stop it.
1: Absolutely, but it's interesting what you say about the idea that sports rights won't get to these price points uh, as far as buying the rights is concerned because we're seeing that sport is a driver of subscriptions yep no one else is trying anything different really at the moment they're doing dramas of course um but you look at it it's driven Stan's doing sport amazon Mm -hmm. prime's doing sport um there's Things like Clutch TV doing sport, although that's a free service and more in the local communities. But um, if if KO can get a million subscribers by having good sport and they want to compete with the free to airs, and Stan Mm. is seeing that, it may actually, instead of being a fight between the free to airs become a fight between the streamers as far as getting sporting rights, couldn't
5: it? Absolutely. Amazon are into swimming. As you said, Stan have got the rugby and looking for more. Um, I think that the potential is, and and, and this is even without... You know, let's be fair. The AFL and the NRL are the two biggest sports that we face, at least at winter codes, that have that have the capacity. I'm not saying that they will do it, but have the capacity to launch their own streaming service, like the NHL or the uh, NFL in in the states, where you can sign up and watch every game online through their thing. Um, there there are there, let's let's be fair. Tier two sports that are struggling to get airtime that find the full and complete versions of their sport airing on foxtel or ko so to that end there's got to be some way for the audience to get to it we can see that even let's say more niche sports will find an audience on streaming it's just a case of how much a foxtel is willing to pay for it when they can't get the biggest games of the year
1: oh sure and i've got to say i do see it changing but the free-to-air will fight tooth and nail to the very end to keep that siphoning list in place. But as audiences diminish, do they still have the power that they once had? Yep. Whereas a company like News Corp, with papers and and can set national agendas, certainly has some power in their pocket as well. So yes, it's going to be very very interesting. The
5: sport and news are the only thing keeping free-to-air commercial television alive.
1: Yeah, and and the big seven thirty tent poles. Uh, and mm. Yes and no. I agree. With those, yeah.
3: I, it's the, the news and sport. To me, they're the only things that are keeping me alive.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that more when we come to ratings in a bit, because sure. I think you're both valid in what you're saying there. Channel Ten have confirmed the return of Pilot Week later this year, after taking a break in 2020. The special event, now in its third season, gives local storytellers the opportunity to present bold and diverse programs to a primetime audience. While Pilot Week hasn't produced long-term hits in the past. It saw additional commissioning of shows including Trial by Kyle, Taboo and Drunk History Australia. Sarah, Pilot Week hasn't really delivered in the past. Do you think this year will be any different?
0: I hope so. I love the idea of Pilot Week. Me too. I think Because everyone always says, you know, who the fuck commissioned this show? If they'd shown it to audiences, would they have liked it or not? And I think whoever came up with the idea of Pilot Week deserves an award because it's a brilliant concept. I love the fact that we can all watch a bunch of shows that people are like oh my shows should be made and we watch it go yeah nah or that's brilliant let's have more um so i really hope this year that it does take off and maybe with more people at home it will um i'm kind of sad they couldn't do it last year but yeah i i'm always excited because you know sometimes things only need one episode but i i really really hope that it does work for them
1: look I agree with you about Pilot Week. I think it is a phenomenal idea. The problem is they haven't turned it into the event it needs to be. It should literally be 7.30 every night this week. You're getting a new show. And it... Even have a studio audience and a hosting, you know, Amanda Keller and Grant Daniel, I don't know, but they're the ones Channel 10 seem to like or Osher Ginsburg. Wow.
0: Um, Yeah, do it like a screening, like an actual screening. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. Bring back the word. Every night. Bring
0: back the word. (laughs) Well,
1: uh, this is the thing, Mark. I said this in the newsletter, that imagine... You, you, you could even talk to the creators right before the screening and say, okay, what's this show going to be about? Okay, here's the premiere of Blum, Blum, Blum right? The audience is there. We come out of the show. During the show, we can have the worm going as well, as we just talked about, but you come out of the show and you literally get live reaction from the studio audience. You can have people like text
0: in, like, you know, yes. rate it yes. from one to 10, yes. do the whole, like, like, a you know, Australian Idol or whatever, make it a huge, huge thing. And you're right. Like one night, every week, everyone sits down, watches it and gets to rate it.
3: The, the, the because- te- the, sorry the technology to do that is here and in fact talking about worms i was involved with a can of worms like 10 years ago when it was uh, andrew denton got it off the ground when he first talked to me about it i thought oh great you know it's going to be topical things it, let's let's get real time feedback yeah. and if it's whatever the subject is and we break the audience down by demographics say males versus females you know, state versus state what do they think of it and they were that's where I thought we we're going to go when I had the title Can of Worms, and it's like no, it was still just you know Dicko, and then <laughs> um, what's the name, <laughs> the Big Brother runner-up um, Chrissy Swan, yeah, Chrissy Swan, yeah, and I was just talking about things. I was like, no, this was a great opportunity to test yeah. the pulse of the nation.
1: Anyway, my
3: little sixpence worth
1: there. Well, the the thing is too that the problem with Pilot Week currently is that shows just appear in the schedule, and so you see shows in your EPG, and it doesn't stand out because you don't know them you know and, and Ten are trying to promote five brand new shows if you people are seeing those promos if you knew this was a week long event at 7:30 you know you're you're getting to see what could be possible future shows i just think there's so much potential in to really do something here with Ten and and Uh, I'm sad about the fact it'll probably be like it has been in previous years. They have the best brand. This is one of the most original ideas and original concepts we've seen in years. The execution just hasn't been there. And will we ever see a point where a real unknown gets a real go? You know, like, it's all been TV people. Will there be some wild card where they give someone a chance? You're looking at me weird, Malk. Who's the unknown that's got a gig on Pilot Week?
5: Oh, I mean, there have been absolutely, uh, you know, people who have got footholds in the business that have gotten show ideas up. I mean, we didn't necessarily know any of the people involved in my 80-year-old flatmate, but then it also was a format that wasn't necessarily about a star. It was about a bunch of young people having to live with 80-year-old people and dealing with all of that sort of stuff. Um, it didn't hurt True. that, you know, Whipper was the guy behind trying to get Roxy a reality show, you know. And, and, and I think even if we're just not talking about pilots, you um, any network is going to be looking for someone with some profile, certainly in 2021, to be able to to launch a program or to launch a format. Uh, that's sure. why they went to, for example, Harley Breen to host Taboo. He, he's an experienced comedian. His fans were going to turn up anyway. I thought that was and still remains the strongest show out of all that they did. And it actually got a four-episode run after Pilot Week. And summarily vanished. Such a shame. Um, but, you know, that, that was that was part of the gig. Oh, the the challenge of new talent is that it falls down what could possibly end up being the skit happens pilot scenario, and that is that people look at it and go, oh, it wasn't very funny and move on, where 80 90% of that cast was people that uh, you hadn't seen before or didn't have much of a profile. So it's a risk in that one-off tasting scenario. It has to be spectacularly good or something that you just don't expect and there's some kind of lightning in a bottle reason why it picks up and in both of those scenarios if you're a programmer and you get those ideas pitched to you to be frank you're probably not saving them for pilot week so what is the
1: point of pilot week then what are we trying to achieve
5: oh look i think 10 are to their great credit actually trying to find new programming and you're right that the first year they made a bit of noise about it. And the best thing that they could do for this third pilot week is make a fuck ton more, just really lean into it, make it an event, do all of the buses and the, um, the, 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 the advertising everything that they can to shout about it. And to be frank at the same time, get some pretty good programming lined up, find some people that are going to pick some good shows, give them more than the smell of an oily rag budget to make it. And let's turn it into a thing.
4: I'm wondering if, though, if Pilot Week is actually about the viewers. I mean, being involved in television reporting, I mean, we certainly enjoy Pilot Week. And I'm sure opposing networks like looking at 10 to see what they offer and, you know, what they potentially might run in the future. But I mean, however, as we know, very little's come from Pilot Week. And I'm just thinking, is this a way to monetize something that you've already paid for anyway? It just seems that the media circle is more excited about Pilot Week than the actual regular viewer who just don't turn up and watch any of the shows. But I think that comes down
1: to the execution in that they just look like normal shows in a programming schedule and not part of an event. If the whole thing was tied together, you know, as I said, with intros, live audiences, like we're seeing the stuff that would never normally go to air. These are the pilots. These are the things only executives usually get to see. You need to turn it into an event if you want the audience to take the journey with you. Just throwing them on the air doesn't cut it because you see something in your EPG and you're going to go, I don't know what that is. Whereas if I know I'm getting a different show each week for, at 7.30 for one week only... and 8.30, you know, like maybe it's two programs, I don't know, Uh, or maybe one of them is a stripped format that they try at 8.30, you will be more likely to turn in and because you'll get to judge. If you're getting to vote with your remote, if you're getting to um, be part of the conversation and give your feedback, it's a different proposition to just throwing some programs into a grid and putting them to air. Uh, I, I love this idea, and I think the audience would get on board. They need to change the way it's broadcast.
3: Yeah, it all gets down to the packaging, for sure. Package it as an event. Totally agree.
1: All right. The Canterbury Bankstown Council in Sydney is proposing that SBS move to a new location in Campsie, creating a cultural hub called SBS Square. Councillors say its current location in Artarmon on Sydney's Upper North Shore is old-fashioned and monocultural. They believe a new location in the ethnically diverse Western Sydney would be a more fitting home. Aaron, what do you think of this proposal? Would it be beneficial for SBS?
4: Yeah, I'm going to throw in a little bit of negativity. Uh, I, I, at the end of the day, SBS headquarters are just offices. I, I agree with um, the SBS quote that said the geographical location of our office has no bearing on the service SBS provides. Um, if there was interaction with viewers, live television, a resource centre or something in which the viewer will be attending the building, you know, I could understand where the you know, where the offices might be located. But otherwise, it's it's just an office. I don't think it really matters where they're located.
1: Could not disagree more. I think all of television is worse off for being so city-based. The fact is the people who work in TV are all inner-city type people who, have, who don't watch TV. They have no bearing to the real world and the viewers out in the western suburbs. They don't connect, at least when... Channel 7 was out at Epping, you had people that were working and living in the area as well. But by having, if you moved all the TV stations out, maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't have the um, audience disappearing like they are because people working in TV would actually be connecting with the people who are watching the TV.
0: Yeah, when they go to get lunch at the kebab shop, Someone will be like, "Look, mate, I know you work at the studio. This show sucks, or you know, you yep. need to do something better." And so they might actually get feedback from the people that are watching their shows.
4: People just catch the train to. They just catch the train to work anyway. It doesn't matter where, where the office. It doesn't mean that the people at this new building are all going to be located from that suburb. They're just going to come from where, wherever they come from now.
5: Let's remember, first of all. What happens inside the SBS building at Artamen, which is in an industrial area? It's not in anywhere flash or fancy by any stretch. Um, they have studios, they have offices, they have uh, that's the home of SBS Radio. They meet their multicultural charter by producing an insane amount of in language content sure. for a whole bunch of different uh, uh, languages out of that place. All of their um, subtitling in that regard is done in that place for their multiple languages in the same way. They do a butt-tonne of stuff out of the SBS building. Yep. Um, could it benefit from being somewhere else? For sure, mate. It's an industrial area. It's not glamorous. It is not special. Uh, it is a whole bunch of very dedicated people turning up to work very hard to meet the SBS charter and deliver a great breadth and depth of content.
0: Now, how much is the move going to cost, though? Like, that sounds like a very expensive enterprise. And isn't Heaps SBS funded like by this, the
1: government? But, 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 but your rent is going to be much cheaper out in the suburbs than it is in Artarman. Artarman. That bit of land that it's on, it's, it's a very
3: valuable piece of real estate. So, yeah, the the, the, the move would cost a lot less than what the, the, the land value is of where they are at the moment, for sure. Uh,
1: And I come back to this point. I've worked in the TV industry for almost 30 years, and I can tell you most of the people I've worked with don't watch TV, don't actually... They like making TV, not disputing that at all, but they don't actually connect with the viewers. You know, I think I've told this story before. Channel 7 in the promos department used to do field trips out to Penrith to try and get the people that worked in promos to connect with the viewers, and one lady had a freakout. She had never been past Balmain, and seriously, we were on this bus. <laughs> she was having a meltdown because she thought she was going to get shot by going to Penrith. She thought she was going to be mugged and attacked, and it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing the mindset of these people who just don't get the working class. You how know great is it that SBS is not They go their ca- seven. coffees and their lattes and everything like this and have no connection to the audience. When you have no connection to the audience, how can you tell
5: what they want? You're being righteously unfair on SBS. They are connected to their audience. They are I'm not just talking about SBS. I'm talking
1: about all networks.
5: This whole story is about SBS. We can't broaden? We're debating whether or not it's a fair thing to move and you started painting them as inner-city latte-sipping people just because their offices are in Art Harman. Like, no, holy I think
1: shit. that comment, Malk, was about all of television, not but just SBS. But are not
5: all of television. Well, That's my point. SBS delivers so much more than just television. The fact that they're at our Taman is 100% historical. Rod's right. The value of the land that they sit on is massive. It's in the middle of an industrial complex. They could move, and it sounds like they are, moving to somewhere else that could be great and give them all sorts of opportunity because of it. The people that work at SBS do not live on the North Shore. Largely speaking, these are people that are catching the train and the bus to get to the place to work simply because it's where they work and they have a great opportunity to do what they do. It is not commercial television. It is partially funded government broadcasting.
1: You can say all of them don't live on the North Shore and the eastern suburbs.
5: If All right. If we were meant to run, sorry, if we do a, 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 an analysis on who lives where based on who works for what network, SBS largely are 100% far more geographically diverse and spread because of the people that work for them. There would be some, I'm sure, absolutely. It's part of Sydney that's where it lands, but mm. nowhere near the ratio that fits the ABC, SB, uh, ABC 7, 9 or 10.
1: All right. But I just want to be clear. I, I certainly felt I made it clear I was broadening this story out in my commentary about the TV industry and how I felt all stations could do with moving out to the suburbs. You know, I know it makes it harder for guests. I know that David Leckie was so keen to get rid of the Deadwood from Epping, you know, and, and there were arguments for that. When Maureen Plasvik ran a survey about things they could improve with Channel 7, mm. most of the feedback was about the lack of cutlery in the canteen, which <laughs> infuriated her, because she's like, that's not an issue that I really care about that's going to get me one more viewer. So 7 would I, argue
5: they have moved out to the suburbs by moving to Everly.
1: I don't think Everly's the suburbs. Sure. But.
0: I just want to know if, when I have nothing to talk about in the black box, uh, in the in our binge box section, if I can be like, "Well, it's because I worked on TV."
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, my 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 takeaway here is that I think more people in the industry could do with getting out to where real viewers live. We know that most of our viewers are not on the northern suburbs. They are in, and I'm using, I'm talking about Sydney here because the story was a Sydney story, but they're in the western suburbs. They're in the southwest of Sydney. You know, they're in housing commission. I know it's not called housing commission anymore. It's called public housing, I think. But the simple fact is that I think there is a detachment between people who work in the industry and the people watching television. And I think that's a problem in contributing to the issues. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah.
0: Thanks, Rob. There have been more allegations against British actor Noel Clarke, including during his time on Doctor Who. Several sources have come forward alleging they were sexually harassed or inappropriately touched on the set of The Popular Show, and the BBC have said they are shocked and will investigate. (laughs) filming is underway in sydney for the new abc indigenous comedy series preppers the six-part series stars nikia Liu and will premiere later this year the abc has begun their search for the 2021 intake of top five a residency program allowing the brightest minds in science the humanities and the arts to undergo media training and practical experiences in abc radio national star has confirmed that a TV Black Box exclusive from last year, Celebrity Gogglebox Box Australia, is coming. And while no official cast announcements have been made, Executive Director of Television Brian Walsh said that the TV Reload podcast, that Anthony Kalea and Tim Campbell, are on his wish list. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thanks,
1: Sarah. Coming up, we take an in-depth look at the ratings race for Week 19 as Nine achieves what many thought was impossible. Claims Big Brother has forgotten to include eye candy, and that's led to viewers turning off, and News Corp shows its hand on its future media plans.
2: You're listening to TV Black Box. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping.
1: This week's 7 Spotlight will be running a story with Craig McLaughlin. The actor was accused of sexual assault but was found not guilty in his court case. Since then, there have been many promos like this one showing McLaughlin's story.
0: How you doing? Been a while.
4: Been a while since we last videoed anything together. Hope your lives are good.
0: Treasure them. Because they can be taken away.
1: See, this is not just about a headline for the day, that this is ruining lives. Not just me. You want to crucify me? Fine. Look what it's done to my beautiful partner. Look look what it continues to do to my family every day. Uh, It's certainly going to be a big story. The, The promos to me are a little bit bizarre, Malk. We're seeing McLaughlin topless. He's using his partner crying and getting angry, looking to camera... Uh, do you think this is good or bad for his brand?
5: Oh, very not good. This is very not good for anything about Craig McLaughlin trying to get any more work. And certainly the impact of this uh, court case for him, independent of being found not guilty, is that he hasn't been working.
1: I, I want to talk about his brand. Now, he's been found not guilty. But instead of packing, picking up his bat and ball and trying to get on with it, He's angry, and that comes through in these primos. Now, this is a guy who's known as a larrikin, as a lovable character in Dr. Blake. When we see angry Craig McLaughlin, rightly or wrongly, uh, whether he's angry, is that going to connect with the viewers?
0: No, at least fake that you're happy that you were vindicated and found not guilty. Um, You know, I was angry and, you know, people just thought I was bitter and, you know, they were like, but you won, so you should be happy. And it's like, well, but I spent the last four years getting death threats. Um, But at some point you have to just like be like, look, I was found not guilty. Let's pop the champagne. Let's celebrate. It has been a tough few years, but now it's time to move on. And you have to be that first person that says, let's move on and move forward. Otherwise everyone's like, well, you know, I don't want to work with you because A, there's, you know, sketchy stuff and B, you look like a dickhead, you know. This is and the so- difficulty,
5: yeah. It, it Stuff sticks, you know, independent of him being found not guilty. The, the 100% best way Craig could have played this was taking the high road. You know, I'm happy that this is the outcome. I'm very pleased with it. I just want to get it. I'm
0: glad on. the women had their day in court since we're in all the Me Too movement. Right? Good for them, blah, blah, blah. Say all of the move things on.
5: that make it sound great. This absolutely plays against him getting any kind of work in the future because nobody wants it. You're right, it's against his brand. It is um, in line with the fact that no matter how righteous his anger is, is 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 for him because he feels vindicated because he was found not guilty. He's not getting any work. So he's angry at the industry effectively for dumping him. Um, mm. I can understand why the industry, even though he was found not guilty, would not want him anywhere near their set or their stage. Yeah,
1: but you can't, uh, and there are defamation proceedings going on at the moment too, so sure. it'll be interesting to see the outcome of those. But you can't, when someone's found not guilty, you can't make a decision based on their work over what you think they're like he was found not guilty. The biggest issue Free for the me. the ruling
5: though. This is the problem. It's not just as simple as he was found not guilty. What he the was. judge said in her ruling was very. But it's clear. just
0: it's all messy because like okay, so I was vindicated because Robert was found guilty, and you know yeah. I should have been welcomed back to the industry at that point, and you know I still haven't been, and I'm still not working. So basically, anytime there's any kind of sex allegations against anybody, You're and then none maker. of the women, yeah, and any of the women who came out against Craig. You know, they are also not working. So it's just messy all around. And there's, I'm not telling people that they shouldn't go forward because they absolutely should speak up if bad things happen. Yep. But you have to be prepared for the fact that you may never work again. Anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody this, will work this, again. This
1: is definitely a problem. And I'll, I'll use the Craig example that before he was even charged, when there were allegations, he was taken off the Dr. Blake mysteries. This. And to me, that is problematic that before people get their day in court, and I say the same about the women here, they absolutely should not be losing jobs for coming forward here. But I think there's a situation where everyone's jumping the gun and we sometimes have to let things play out. People are entitled to the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And to be yanked off a show and yanked out of employment before that happens worries me in
5: this world. Do we bring up Andrew O'Keefe? In what respect? He got pulled off um, the chase before any uh, um, judgment.
1: Well, I think the Andrew O'Keefe case is a little bit more complicated because there certainly were production issues behind the scenes.
5: Mate, I, and I hear and I think that in every case, they're all always a little bit more complicated because the reality is while Seven decided that they wouldn't go with Craig as Dr. Blake and they reworked it to become the Blake Mysteries after picking it up from the ABC, um, we know that you don't make television necessarily overnight, particularly Drum, you've got to work hard and it takes a long time and and so on and so forth. Um, For them to opt out of the contract with him, I'm sure they had the finest legal people look over it to make sure they had a loophole or they paid him out or did whatever they needed to do so that he wasn't associated with their brand because of the nature of the allegations. It doesn't matter about the innocent until proven guilty thing because here's the catch. If you lean into someone innocent until proven guilty and you've then got a season or two seasons of something down down the path ready to go or they've aired and then they're found guilty, mate, that's a hell of a mess to clean up. That's, that's sure. horrible. Yeah. I mean, how often do we see, hey, Dad, on our screens now?
4: Well, that's true. Which is a shame because it was a great show. I was going to say, I understand the holistic nature of what, what Rob's saying, though, because some people um, haven't even gone to the police. It's, something's actually just gone out on Twitter and someone's lost their job because they've sort of made a complaint about something. It's happened in America quite a bit. Happened with Justin Bieber. It's happened with others. They'll just put something out on Twitter and then the person is... You know, is judged just based on that. So I mean, I understand the holistic nature of 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 what Rob's saying. I just think I think it's appalling how some people's careers are completely over or they're yanked off the air because of a Twitter complaint or someone just making a complaint to the police and nothing's even happened from there.
1: It's a very messy world, and we're all trying to uh, work out the new. The one, new, new way going forward, I just think there needs to be some balance. And I take the point, Sarah, that you had claims to bring forward and they needed to be heard. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I think it's all very messy.
0: Yeah. Maybe when they should, Channel 10 should go back to Pilot Week and bring back Sam Dastiari's show, where he had the thing <laughs> about, you know, everyone being cancelled on Twitter, you know, because of something that they did that spiraled out of control, like, And I think the first famous example wasn't even a famous person. It was that woman who tweeted that she was going on vacation to Africa and she hoped she didn't get AIDS. And then she said, just kidding, because, you know, I'm white. And she was, you know, she was fired before she landed in South Africa. So it's just, you know, today everything is just, it's hard. Like, do you say things? Do you not say things? Do you suffer? Do you risk your career to do the right thing? I don't know. It's just, it's so messy right now.
1: Mm. OK, let's turn our attention to week 19 in the ratings race and Channel 7 will be happy to have won another week with a 28.7% network share. 9 came in second with 28, 10 on 19.1. The ABC had a 16.1% share and SBS was on 8.2. In primary channels, though, 9 just managed to beat 7 to the post. Mulk LEGO Masters continues to dominate the entertainment offerings. Were there any surprises for you last week?
5: Uh, look, I think it's the battle for second that's really surprising me in 7.30 uh, between uh, MasterChef and Big Brother. Um, it, it, it's, it, it continues to be, as we know it always is during particularly winter sport, uh, a tale of two halves of the week. Sunday to Wednesday-ish, maybe Thursday, it's all about what's happening in the reality race. And then from Thursday-ish through to Saturday, uh, it's who's got the best game on TV. Um, and that's... Where 7 are are uh, certainly picking up their post-7 o'clock numbers uh, because they are doing not a whole bunch Sunday to Wednesday slash Thursday. Um, uh, Lego Masters I'm loving. That's fine anyway. I'm really surprised that the big brother isn't pulling better numbers, and I know that we'll talk about this a little bit further. Um, the ABC continues to spin up and down. Great to see have you been paying attention return. It was 10's best, and I think it almost won the night on Monday night last week. Um, so that's huge business and a great um dare I say it, justification for working dog who are always people that that hang in and get out on their terms and this is season what 6 7 yeah. 8 um it's still going strong and that those kinds of numbers dare I say it, on 10 which is sort of a bit notorious for not having a great figure I mean it replaced Susie we have a problem which was diabolical in its figures at 8:39 o'clock um So, yeah, look, welcome back. Have you been paying attention? And we will continue to see the wrestle. I wonder what will happen when Celebrity Apprentice uh, starts with Lord Alan Sugar on 9 replacing Lego Masters and both MasterChef and Big Brother continue to roll on. I wonder how much that's going to level out.
1: Yeah, will will the audience flatten out? Will Mm. that time slot drop and they move to other um, channels? Or will Free to Wear lose overall viewing share? That'll be interesting. Look, you mentioned Big Brother. And look, it's averaging just 500,000 viewers per episode. Discussions, according to the Daily Telegraph, are ongoing about why... The blame is being directed at the lack of young, hot and single contestants and something casting along the lines of Married at First Sight would see the show more successful. Aaron, I love the casting in this year's Big Brother. I think this year's Big Brother is phenomenal. I'm surprised it's not rating better. Is it down to lack of eye candies, as they say, or is it down to tougher
4: competition? Well, probably a, a little bit of both. I, I think we we'll get you know, we get stuck in this thing about total viewers versus demos. You know, when we were talking about Dancing with the Stars, that was getting 700,000, you know, um, getting up there with that kind of viewers, but it was doing very poorly. And we are making sort of fun about it, about how big the older demographics is, and let's not look at total viewers. But with Big Brother, it's like, well, it's only getting 500,000 viewers and getting beaten by Chef, but it's doing really well in the demos. So, you know, which one is? Are we are we talking about total viewers or are we talking about... um you know, demos, because it's it's completely different. I mean, if, if Seven want to go for the really, really young demos, they can, you know, dumb down the house, just have beautiful young people in it. It'll get 300,000 viewers, but it'll be like Love Island. It'll be an absolute smash hit in young demos and catch up, um, and they'll get huge ratings out of that. But Seven probably don't want 300,000 viewers because we'll be on the TV Black Box podcast saying, well, they're only getting 300,000 <laughs> viewers, even though... You know, it's just, you know, so I mean, what is it? Is it total people or, 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 or demographics we're going to talk about? Because this is the opposite, you know, discussion we had about Dancing with the Stars. It's not doing great in demos either. It's barely coming in fifth. Is that right? Not not in 16 to 39. It's yeah, Lego well it, Masters is beating it. Yeah, of course, Lego Masters is beating it. But in, in, in 16 to 39, it's doing pretty well. No,
0: I think the bigger problem is people expect Big Brother to be live and it's not. Yeah. Um, and I mean people people you know if you something's traditionally one way and you've changed it and I know we did one other season of Big Brother where it was pre-recorded but I think people just expect it to be live they want to have you know the excitement of being able to you know participate in the the voting and stuff and this time they can't so maybe that has more to do with it than you know there's not a bunch of hot people having sex under doonas.
5: oh mate i stand by the fact that it's 2021 we have the ability to stream everything every minute of people live in a big brother house and to do a pre-recorded survivor in a warehouse style which was last year in this year's series i think is to the format's detriment
1: yeah look i've got to say that i would much Prefer a live version. I'm on the record of saying that, but sure. I have really enjoyed this season.
5: Oh no, you're all I'm, in. We know you're totally all in. in. We read your six stars out of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but what I would say is that my concern now is with this kind of thinking that we're going to go back to having airheads and and just sexy people. You know, find the balance. If if they really do think eye candy, you only need two or three eye candies to keep these people who need to turn on the TV and, and think of sex to keep them happy and then still have some people with real personality. See,
0: and I love that this time they've got an old lady. They've got people with accents. Yeah. Like the first I started watching and I'm like, oh, my God, there's all these accents. Like it's not just white people this yeah. season. Um, I think they're, they 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 cast well.
1: Yeah, and and it's got drama and it's got twists and turns. I, I, I As I say, we all know I'm all in and I love it. Take a look at Big Brother. But I will say, Lego Masters is
5: great. Master Chef is great. So mm. what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Master Chef can hurry up and get to the top 12 is what MasterChef can do. <laughs> uh, Kevin, we were having a conversation in, in the TV Black Box channels and Kevin Perry was quite right. 24 people is a lot to keep up with. Just give me the top 12. I'll tune in then. I can handle 12 people. 24 is too many.
1: Fair enough. All right, as we record, the ratings have just come in for Monday night, and I can reveal seven news did over a million, as did nine news. But the top entertainment show was Have You Been Paying Attention on 749,000. That was followed by Lego Masters on 734,000. Big Brother beat MasterChef. Big Brother had 638,000. MasterChef had 623,000. So we can see that fight for second spot. It's a nightly
5: battle, Mark. Look, it really is. And again, congratulations to 10 and to Working Dog. What a great result for Have You Been Paying Attention. That's really good business, Um a bit of a shame for Lego Masters, but again, the, the struggle continues to be for second and third Master Chef versus Big Brother. They are battling it out, and it's not the difference of even tens of thousands for them. It is single-digit thousands that they are jumping around each other, and they're a solid 100k off Lego Masters minimum mm. most nights. So that's a real issue there.
1: Look, and it shows a good 8.30 show can get viewers in if it's appointment television. Have You Been Paying Attention is Monday night's top entertainment show. And that's a big deal because usually it relies on a lead-in from MasterChef. MasterChef is not giving that leading.
5: It lifted nearly 120k from MasterChef. Now, what does that say to you about what's happening at 7.30?
4: Yeah. And then can I also mention what I, I, I said before? I mean, this is uh, the results here are combined metro and regional. But um, after Have You Been Paying Attention, in 16 to 39, number two was Big Brother, which beat Lego Masters and beat MasterChef. So, I mean, Big Brother, I've seen that in, in, in previous reports. Big Brother is doing quite well, obviously, in the younger
5: demos. Fair fair point. Well, yeah, well, that's total people. And those numbers were five city metro, not combined.
4: Well, I'm just giving you what, what the combined metro. This is combined metro and regional. People 16 to 39 for last night. Have you been paying attention, number one? Big Brother, number two? Lego Masters, number three? MasterChef, number four?
5: Sure. And then split it the other way around. It's Big Brother still wins uh, for 16 to 39 in just five-city metro, but the difference is it's 188 to 177. That's why we don't talk about demos. That's why the networks want us to talk about total people. Who cares that the winning thing in 16 to 39s pulled, you know, where is it, Um, pulled 238,000 or 273,000?
1: It's not the big number the networks like to sprout. This uh, Maybe next week we have a big discussion about demos versus total people because I do think there's a discussion here.
4: For sure. Yeah, because then we say, as I said, we're dancing with the stars. We say, shit, even though it got 700,000 viewers or whatever because old people are watching it. And then we have this big, long, you know, debate about how shit dancing with the stars is, apparently, which I I disagree with. But and and then and then say, well, Big Brothers, you know, 116 to 39. So what? So they're getting, you know, 500,000 viewers. I mean, which one is it? All right, let's talk about that next week. And if there are any people out there in the TV
1: industry who want to throw their thoughts, you know how to get in contact with us, we'd love to hear what you have to say. It can be anonymous or on the record, whatever you like, because this is an interesting discussion to have. All right, we're speaking of ratings and we've still got more to digest because Nine News in Adelaide has broken Seven's 13-year winning streak. For their 6pm bulletin, they averaged 104,000 viewers with 7 at 101,000. This is the first time in nearly 600 weeks. However, Director of 7 News Adelaide Chris Salter said, Our commitment to Adelaide has never been stronger across the entire day, and especially at 6pm, which we are still leading across the hour. Yes, that's true, but (laughs) this... Is when you split code,
5: you lose the ability to claim the hour win.
4: Correct. This is monumental, isn't it, Aaron? It is. It certainly wouldn't happen in Perth, uh, but uh, yeah, Adelaide was a little bit like Perth actually, with with a winning streak for that long. And uh, good on Channel Nine. You know, it's it's good to have healthy competition. And um, I, I, I'm guessing some of this has to do with you know Ten News sort of getting out of Adelaide and and um, also some issues with their four o'clock bulletin that seven lost for a little while and then reinstated but um a, win's a yeah, win so
1: explain that so the seven news bulletin at 4 p.m was being done from melbourne nine played on that big time with a whole series of promos. Yeah. are we now seeing the result of that
4: probably a, a a little bit i mean not a huge amount of people watch the four o'clock bulletin i'm, I'm not sure that's going to sway them watching six o'clock but i mean it certainly plays a part and it certainly plays a part with 10 news adelaide uh moving to melbourne um but, yeah, I mean, Nine put out a good product. I actually watch Nine Adelaide News sometimes. They put out a, a you know, a good product and, um,
5: you know, it's a good win. Congratulations to to Kate, Brenton, Will and the team uh, at Nine News Adelaide. That's a, a hard slog, you know, to pull a weak win at six o'clock when you've been beaten six, nearly 600 weeks, like Wow. Yeah. That's phenomenal to put, to be putting in the slog, to maintain the effort, to do the things. Now, whether or not they are able to maintain that rage or it's just a, a blip and they can continue to, to fight, amazing work. And that is in no way a detriment of the effort that the Seven News Adelaide team put in either. But that's healthy competition. two teams that work really hard to deliver great local product to Adelaide uh, and when it's the only thing that Adelaide is making, Good on him for doing it and doing it well.
1: Indeed. While the rumour mill has been in overdrive this week when it comes to News Corp, first, sources told us Sky News would rebrand as Fox News. That has been categorically denied. And then there was talk of a deal between News Corp and Seven, which coincided with reports of Lachlan Murdoch being seen outside Seven's Martin Place studios with some news executives. But Chairman Michael Miller has said there have been no discussions at all with Seven and no plans to reduce its stake in Foxtel. Mock, there's an awful lot of chatter when it comes to News Corp. Do you think they've lost interest in owning a free-to-air television network?
5: Mate, I would love to be on the inside and even just be the proverbial fly on the wall to hear some of these in-boardroom conversations. Um, they've had their nose out of joint for some time, as Seven have, ever since Nine uh, pulled their big coup with Fairfax and, and bought it, merged it, did all of the things. Uh, because it made them a major player, it is the missing piece of... For for News Corp to have free to air commercial television in their fold in Australia, and for Seven to kind of be going, well, we've got a paper, we've got a bit of a thing, but not a much of a thing. Um, it, it could be a real powerhouse if it had that kind of combination working beside it. I I don't profess to know what uh, either the Murdoch uh or empire or um uh sorry I can't names escaping me the chair of Seven West Media Kerry Stokes. Thank you. What Mr. Stokes thinks that he wants to do with the business. And it, it means that we certainly live in interesting times within Australian media. Goodness gracious. Wouldn't it be very interesting if they got into bed together?
0: I just think it would be hilarious if Lockie was in town and like called up his mates and said, let's go have lunch and let's fuck with the entire public <laughs> by making it look like we're buying this. But really we just do want to have beers at the pub.
1: Yeah. And that's a fair call. That's a very fair call. I think, News Corp is interesting. You know, they, they've put certain conditions on buying Seven. Seven haven't met that. So if Seven do get their um, def- debts down, it's still a possibility. Yep. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sky News. We keep hearing that the affiliation agreement to use the brand is coming up, but... It's, you know, they seem pretty emphatic that that's not happening. So we wait, watch, and listen. Sometimes these things take a year to play out. So we saw that with Celebrity Gogglebox. So it'll be yep. very interesting to see where NewsCob goes. And could Channel 10 still be on the table?
4: Will Viacom CBS, Ooh, Aaron, hold gosh. on to 10? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen a merger between News Corp and Seven. I mean, Nine did a deal, obviously, with Fairfax and have a number of good performing radio stations. And my understanding is that a deal to buy uh, to, a deal to buy winners on the cards. Um, and that's the main reason Nine went with Win. Um, because Nine couldn't buy Southern Cross Stereo due to media lords, but they can do it with Win. Um, Nine's just you know. Big, Become an empire: metro, regional, newspapers, radio, and a streaming service in Stan. stand. So Seven's deal with Prime's fallen through; they've got no streaming service. So I mean, I certainly would like to see Seven broaden their horizons outside of what they've got in WA um, to challenge Nine, because Nine's just going to be a complete media empire.
5: Oh, it is a complete media empire, absolutely, and that's that's got to be a concern. I 100% agree that uh, the focus of James Warburton's um, kingship at Seven absolutely has to be reducing debt and mate i don't know how much they're in a similar situation i don't know how much more they can pair back on the budget i don't know where they've got extra cost savings they can make um this is the nature of the tv industry as we see ratings shrink so revenue sinks so we get into a difficult position Mm.
1: and that is actually going to bring us to the end of tv black box we don't have time for binge box today because we are way way over
0: I watched things, I watched things! I watched Big Brother, I watched Derek, I watched The New Legends of Monkey and I watched Why Are You Like This? I'm getting where yeah. i don't it care about Save it for else. next
1: week, but I know that if we get on the mark, we're going to be here for 20 minutes and we just can't do that to everyone. So we'll save all our binge box viewing for next week. Thank you for joining us for another edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest news in the TV industry. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. It really helps us and... Negates the haters. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe to the TV Blackbox newsletter by going to tvblackbox.com.au/newsletter. Sarah, Mark, Aaron, and Rod. We'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank Blah. you.